Times Like Now is an interview program. Interviews with interesting people that are doing cool stuff. My name is Trevor Collins, and my guest today, Maya Wynn, has been making music most of her life. She is now thrust into the spotlight with the band Envy of None, featuring the guitar player from Rush, Alex Lifeson, on this episode of Times Like Now. Hello, Maya. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. For those who may not know you, or this is an introduction to to you and to your music, uh, most recently you have hit kind of an international uh, spotlight or international stage in your collaboration and joining the band with Alex Lifeson, famous of Rush. Yeah, yeah. I um, It's been an incredible project to be a part of. It's called Envy of None, and I'm the lead singer, but I also got to write a lot of the lyrics and vocal melodies and played a couple instruments here and there. Um, but it was just a really wonderful collaboration. Um, so it has Alex Lifeson and, and then Andy Curran, who was in a band called Coney Hatch, and then uh, Alfio Annablini, who's just an incredible engineer and um, co-producer and, and just... Um, multi-talented instrumentalist songwriter. So it's just been a really wonderful collaboration to be a part of. And, you know, because Rush has such a, a huge and renowned international fan base, um, it's really opened the doors for this project to be heard by a lot of people all around the world. And it's just been amazing to uh, to see the scope. And, and I think, you know, just getting messages from people in all countries and, and from different places all around the world has been really amazing. Yeah, I'm sure the response has been has been kind of new and and kind of fantastic for you. You're rooted and based in Portland, Oregon area, and and you've had your own musical experience and career. I've been reading about you. You've done quite a bit of collaboration and work on your own. I was watching the Lift video Ooh, thank you. Uh, that you have out. That was fun. It was great to see the Portland locations that I'm so familiar with there on the, the Broadway bridge and, and around town. Yeah, that was a really fun video to shoot. We we just filmed it in one day kind of on a whim and we just went around town and got a bunch of, of shots and it actually ended up being one of my favorite music videos that we made. It's just it's easy to get some good good shots when you're downtown in Portland and just walking around and enjoying it. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, vo- very photogenic area. But where are you living? Do you still live in that area? Yeah. I mean, I tell people I live in Portland, but I'm technically in Gresham, which is outside of Portland, Portland adjacent. <laughs> yes. You're in, you're in the burbs yeah. there. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, experience working with Alex and with the band, is this your first experience working with any band or have you been because I, I, what I've seen is you and your guitar, rather uh, singer-songwriter uh, centralized. Is this your first band? It is. It's my first band. I've, I've done lots of collaborations. There's a, a really great female hard rock duo called Dreadlight that I've done a few collaborations with before. Um, but this is my first, like, yeah, it's my first band. <laughs> what has this been like? I mean, you, you said you got to do some instrumentation and wrote some lyrics. So you were in the studio you know, knocking out the songs and, you know, doing the grind to get this done. That's um, what is the name of the album? Is, is it, is there a title? It's just self-titled. It, I think it's just Envy of None. Um, I don't know. I think we're, we're talking about working on a second record, so I don't know what we'll call the second one. Maybe Envy of None too. I don't know. <laughs> Part two. You did this recording in Toronto. Is that right? Uh, we only actually recorded two 
two songs in Toronto. Um, I went when I was, it's quite a few years ago. We started working on this project about five years ago. Um, I was around 20 years old when I first went to Toronto and we worked on um, a couple of the earlier songs and we went in the studio and I recorded vocals, but everything else. Um, and even before that I did here, um, in my sort of home studio, I sent my stems, I recorded my vocal parts and I like it that way because then I can, I can experiment and, and I don't have to worry about sounding perfect all the time. You know, I can experiment and then delete the things I don't like and really get it until I get it exactly how I want it and do all the layers. Sometimes I would send up to like 40 or 50 vocal layers, <laughs> harmonies and different textures. And um, so it was really nice to be able to sort of work remotely, which is mostly what we did, even though Alex, Alf and Andy were all in Toronto um, together. They still didn't work in the studio together. They sent files back and forth from their own studios as well. So it's all very remote. Um, so it didn't really change anything when COVID happened because we were all already working sort of remotely anyway. But um, yeah, we did get two two songs done in the studio together in Toronto, and that was really fun. Um, but everything else was just sort of in our own little little studios. <laughs> yeah, amazing technology to to make that happen. I did not know that this project was was five years, started five years ago. I, I did not know that. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on all of that, Thank of you. course. And how about touring? Is this band doing any shows and where and when? Yeah, we've talked a lot about it. I think, you know, I don't think we'll ever do any sort of big tours. Um, Alex obviously toured so many years with Rush and those are very intense tours all around the world and I don't think he's really he's sort of you know moved on from that retired from that in a way and um I think that if we do some shows he's open to a few sort of special shows or maybe like joining for bigger cities and then I would maybe do a bigger tour with me and other band members and then he would join or they would join for the bigger cities kind of thing so we've talked about that as a possibility I think we're kind of waiting to see what happens and um, maybe I've also heard Andy talk about like maybe once we release the second album, we'll do a tour or something. So I know it's up in the air, um, but I, we're not putting any pressure on it. I think we're sort of waiting to see. And I think our main sort of focus is, is just recording and making music. Um, and then if there's like a couple of special shows or festivals or maybe TV appearances or something, I don't know. I'm hoping for that. I really want to go on like Jimmy Fallon or something would be awesome. <laughs> that <laughs> but would fingers be crossed awesome. it would be great. Yeah. <laughs> And it would be yeah. awesome also if there was a Portland or maybe Seattle show. Mm -hmm. Yes, that as would be amazing. I, as I'll push I would for make it. sure to, <laughs> to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of your background. Let's go back into the Maya uh, photo album of, let's say, high school. When did you start writing your own music? When What was the first instrument you ever played? as a, as a yeah. as learning and what was the, you know, like when did you write your first song for instance? Yeah. So that's a, uh, it goes back pretty far. I, I first started playing piano when I was three, I started taking lessons at around four. Um, and I loved it. I loved piano so much and I loved going to lessons and, um, I loved just playing the piano before they even put me in lessons. I was just mesmerized by it. And my dad played the piano. And so I, one of my earliest memories is like, memorizing two notes on the piano that sounded good together and getting really excited and playing those two notes again like the next day it's one of my earliest memories and just that thrill of like making sounds and harmonies um something about that always sort of 
triggered something inside of me that was just excited and inspired. And um, so I started working with my piano teacher when I was around seven. And I started writing my first songs and composing them on the piano. They were just instrumental pieces. Um, I don't remember them at all. I know I performed one of the songs I wrote at a recital when I was like seven or eight. Um, I don't know if it was very good, but I know that that was like my first song. And then when I was around 12 um, and 13, I started to teach myself guitar. And that's when I started writing sort of my first songs with lyrics on both the piano and the guitar. Um I love to sing. I, I sang in choir, but I didn't think I was a very good singer for a very, very long time. Uh, I just really enjoyed it, and I loved making music. And in high school, I would just come home from school, and I would have the house to myself, and uh, that sort of allowed me to just, I would sit at the piano for hours and sing and improvise and write songs and let myself be loud and annoying and sound bad, and it really helped me sort of develop my voice and my confidence and and. I just did it for myself. I loved it. I loved making music and I still do. <laughs> what was, uh, I guess, during those times, those teenage years, which, you know, the, the teenage brain grabs onto the music of the teenage years and that becomes your favorite music because, well, that's when the brain is is doing that sort of thing. What music were you listening to and what was kind of an inspiration for you at that time? Mm, I think what I was, I had this playlist that I would listen on repeat um, on, I would walk home from school and I was like a three mile walk and, and I would listen to this same playlist over and over and over again. And it had a lot of really various artists from different eras and genres. And um, there was everything from, let's see, there's Feist and Amy Mann and um, Punch Brothers and uh, Radiohead, Nora Jones, and um, the Ting Tings, and uh, No Doubt, and I had, it was just all over the place, and, and um, Queen, and there's just a, a little bit of everything in there, I think, and, and Iron and Wine, I started listening to around that time, I like, I, I loved indie artists, and I loved classics, and I loved um, alternative, and, and it was just sort of a really big blend of everything, and, and I listened to that playlist so much that I I memorized the order of it, you know, and if I listened to those songs out of that order, it felt wrong. You know, after that, I was like, no, this song goes after this song. It had no rhyme or reason to the order. It was sort of just random, but I listened to it so many times that like my, it was hard for me to listen to those songs outside of that specific order after that. <laughs> yeah, that be, it becomes your mixtape. So when you mm -hmm. hear that song on the radio, like, no, this isn't, no, this isn't the yeah. song that's supposed to be here. Speaking of, of just a sidebar did you go to the iron and wine concert that was in portland recently no i didn't know they were in town i should have i would have loved yeah. that they're amazing yeah so um yeah every time that i've wanted to see them every time i i either found out too late or uh, God, iron and wine played mississippi studios once mm. and it was sold out before i could get in and yeah i've never been able to see uh sam beam and company uh, speaking of local uh, bands and whatnot, you did some work with the Portland Cello Project. What did you do with them and when was that? Yeah, so actually pretty soon after I moved to Portland, I was around 19 years old and um, 
I had been a fan of Portland Cello Project for a while, and my my friend slash manager was a huge fan of Portland Cello Project. She had seen them in concert multiple times, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, Maya! You know, if you got to perform with Portland Cello Project, that would be such a dream." And and we had listened to their songs um, for a very long time at that point, and um, you know, we were in the area. We just moved, and and on a whim, we sort of reached out to them on Instagram. And I didn't have a lot recorded at that point. I had sort of some weird songs recorded. I had this weird sort of song I did for a small horror film that was really spooky and just like this weird acapella thing. And so we sent what we had and we're like, hey, you know, I'm a singer. I'm I'm just getting to Portland. I would love to collaborate with you. Didn't expect to hear back. And Doug, the head of Portland Cello Project at that point, wrote back and he was like yeah let's do something together and I didn't realize until later how rare that was because they get people reaching out to them all the time but I think he actually liked that the music I sent was kind of weird and different um so I guess it worked to my advantage that I had some weirder stuff recorded at that point um he liked that it was sort of spooky and just (laughs) weird and um he followed up and followed through and and we worked on some arrangements of a couple of my original songs and he was just so so kind and we did a small tour together um like a year or two two years later and we just went through the northwest and um it was such a dream to perform with them and do some of my original music and it was such a dream to go back because i i grew up in washington and in montana and so it's such a dream to go back to missoula where i'd lived and play at one of the biggest theaters there at the wilma you know because portland child project was able to you know pull those numbers and and it was such a dream to go back and play at those big theaters and and have you know all of my friends and family show up and be like we know her you know and it was like one of those big moments for me going back home and and showing people that I you know I was being successful I was doing cool things and and uh it was just such a dream and getting to hear your songs with you know 20 cellos and drums and and bass is just such a it's so epic it's so cool and you never want to perform those songs any differently ever again because it sounds so good they're just amazing that's that's very exciting and and very uh humbling to hear you have that first experience it sounds like that was like a big you know like what they call a feather in your cap or one of those you know uh those hallmark moments that you you know you remember that one that's cool. And that's great that it got to be with such a great dynamic group as Portland Cello and, you you know, your first tour. That's really yeah. exciting. <laughs> uh, something else that I read and, and heard about you is something about the port or excuse me, the Apollo 11's 50th anniversary. Yeah. That's what such was a, this? You wrote, yeah. a, you wrote a song for them? Yeah, it was a really interesting, yeah, it was such a crazy sort of circumstance. They did a contest and, and so it was a a local music company based in Huntsville and Huntsville is, is, um, where they have, uh, a, one of the space and rocket centers, um, and it was a big part part of space history um, that often gets overlooked, but Huntsville, Alabama is is like a huge rocket town. Like they have a, the Space and Rocket Center. Um, that's where they have Space Camp. There's all sorts of like NASA scientists that live there and work on rockets. And uh, I didn't know that before this, but um, they did this uh, song contest. A local music company called Listen Local and the Space and Rocket Center put on a song contest to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, um, which was a, a couple years ago. And um, 
I saw the contest and it was like, it almost seemed too good to be true. I almost didn't think it was a real contest because like the winner got like $10,000 and performed their song at the Space and Rocket Center and recorded it at Fame Studios. And it was like, wow, this is a big deal. I, I, and there's a lot of fake contests out there, but I was like, I just had a good feeling about it. And, and you just had to write a song about space exploration and, so I sort of pondered it for a few days and then I, I suddenly got super inspired and we had just watched Hidden Figures, which obviously was very inspiring as well. Um, and I sat down and I wrote a song and then we recorded it that same day. Like the deadline was coming up very soon. We recorded it the same day that I wrote it and filmed it and then we put it out there and, and submitted it. And then we made it past the rounds and... um. Like a few weeks later, they did sort of a live Zoom announcement of the winner and, and they told me that I had won the contest and it was like such a cool moment for me. And it was just such an amazing trip. Like obviously the money was a big deal to help, you know, as an independent artist, it's you struggle. And so that was also very helpful and like a, a big uh, deal for me. And then, and then also getting a uh, an all expense paid trip to go to Huntsville and, and to perform at the space and rocket center for the 50th anniversary gala. Like the entire audience was astronauts and rocket scientists and their families. And it was like the coolest thing ever to be there underneath the rockets and get a personal tour of the space and rocket center. And, um, just an amazing, amazing experience. And then getting to record the song, um, at fame studios. And that was like one of my first times in a, bigger studio like that you know and we had a couple hours and I just played as many instruments as I could and and recorded vocals and it's such a, an amazing amazing studio that has a ton of history like I got to play on Aretha Franklin's Wurlitzer for that song and that was like super wow. cool yeah wow. it's just what like is the, what is the name yeah. of this song is it out is it's it called out show somewhere the world. where people can hear it it is yeah show the world so if you hear at the beginning there's this Wur Wurlitzer organ sound that comes in and that's that it's aretha franklin's Wurlitzer, which i had to play i had to play that in the song you know <laughs> wow yeah. that is that is so cool i'm man i'm learning so much about you and uh it's it's very inspiring and i'm excited for you to to see what you're going to do next and uh i understand you're doing some acting as well yeah i'm trying to get more into acting it's it was like music and acting were sort of my earliest dreams and I love getting to act. I've done some independent films, some really small sort of, uh, you know, those early films you do when you're start starting out, they're not always amazing, but they're something and they're out there. So I've got a couple of uh, very small independent horror films under my belt. Uh, we filmed one of them in like three days out in the woods and there was like barely a script and <laughs> some guy running around with an axe and it was just and not awesome, but you know, it's experience. And um, recently I got cast in, in, it's actually technically a Lionsgate film, which is really cool. It's still a smaller, you know, subsidiary of them, but it's, um, still a pretty big deal for me and and I got cast as one of the lead roles it's a s snowboarding film with a dog in it it's like the dog can snowboard it's sort of like Airbud, but the snowboarding version of it so it's really cool and uh I snowboard a little bit but I had a stunt double who made me look way better <laughs> my stunt double is like a six foot dude um you know with a beard and they had to cover it up like the mask and stuff which is pretty funny but uh, it was a lot of fun filming and it's called powder pup and it's going to come out um next year 
I think around December ish of next year. Um, but yeah, it was a ton of fun and I'm trying to get more into it and hoping I can get an agent, get more auditions, but I love it. I love acting and, and, you know, it's a craft and I want to keep practicing and getting better. And, and, um, I just enjoy it so much similar to music, you know, it's, it's storytelling and, and, um, you know, and, and I love, I love storytelling. I love sharing emotion and, and, um, it's just, it's performance and I love it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is, it is very similar. I mean, I would imagine to performing on a stage when you're sharing emotion, when you're imbibing that emotion of the, the, either your lyrics or somebody else's words that have been written for a script, but yeah, you're still sharing the, the emotion between you and an audience. And yeah, I've heard that very, very similar. That's very funny. Uh, Snow pup is this mm-hmm. air bud part two <laughs> snow pup. That's, that's very funny. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's see here. There was something else. Uh, that I wanted to, oh yes, you have a series of songs about Lucy Gray. <laughs> it seems to be a reoccurring name, Lucy Gray. What, can you explain some of that and how many songs are there? Yeah, so um, I did this series of, there's sort of like covers, but <clears throat> I'm actually writing the music. So there was a, a, a prequel to The Hunger Games called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. They're actually filming the movie for it right now. But there was a book that came out a couple years ago. And the book was full of songs. One of the lead characters was a singer-songwriter. And it was full of these lyrics that were supposed to be songs. And um, Heidi and I were reading it. And she was getting really frustrated because she couldn't imagine these lyrics as an actual song. She's like, what does the song sound like? You know, And, and I being a musician and a songwriter couldn't help myself from trying to turn those lyrics into an actual song. And she's like, we should just, you know, let's film one of these and put it out on the internet. And so I did sort of a cosplay as the character um, and recorded one of my arrangements that I did for one of the songs and put it out there. And it did really well because, you know, it's a very popular book franchise and there's a lot of people reading it feeling similarly wondering if somebody had tried to put these lyrics to music and um so inevitably it was like oh well you did the song and we love it will you do more will you do the other ones and and so there's I think 10 or 11 songs total that I ended up doing and I wrote the music and sort of performed them as actual songs and took the lyrics from the book and did that um and they did really well. And all these videos were really popular, um, especially for me. Like, it was kind of crazy. It was like tapping into a really big network of people that that were really enthusiastic. And all of them were reading the books and, and sending me such sweet comments. And, and I felt kind of like a celebrity for a little while. You know, I got fan mail and people were drawing fan art of me. That was just incredible and beautiful. And, um, you know, I just felt so supported and loved and so like I sort of like became Lucy Gray for a little while and that was really cool um and uh it was just really amazing and and the scope of it was huge you know there's people all around the world sending me messages and and um and then they decided they're going to make a film out of the the book and <laughs> ironically Lionsgate again um kind of a common theme lately but their legal team about a year ago reached out to me with a cease and desist to take them all down 
they were like, mm. you know, because they had just acquired the rights to the movie and they didn't want my stuff because it was so popular. They're like, oh, no, this is a problem. It's going to compete with ours. And um, so it was a whole legal battle. And, and I was really sad for a while because it was this thing I was really proud of. I had like it was the first time I had produced my own music, too. Like I had I've been learning how to produce. And so it was the first time I sort of like let myself produce my own music. I was really proud. I worked so hard on these songs and these videos and it was like a whole album and every song had a music video. Essentially, it was a lot of work. Um, and so I was really devastated for a while. Um, and it took a lot of time and I had some help from really amazing friends of mine who know legal things and we, we had a lot of back and forth. And then eventually we reached sort of an agreement of like, they let me keep them up on YouTube, but I can't, keep them up on streaming platforms and then like until they release their versions or something like that it's like a whole thing I don't know it was very confusing <laughs> but we figured it out we reached an agreement and I got to put my videos back up which is amazing and um but yeah that's why there's so many Lucy Gray related things on my YouTube channel and they were up on my Spotify for a long time too but I'm really proud of the songs and I think they turned out really cool and and I loved the book and I loved getting to talk to people about the Hunger Games and the books and and just sort of tapping into that world was really special that sounds very special actually and and speaking of which where can people find your uh your music and listen to these things yeah so um, if you want to watch the Lucy Gray videos and songs, they're just on YouTube now, although you can also get the MP3s on my Patreon, um, which is the best way to support me. I post demos and have a huge folder of song downloads there. So if you support me on Patreon, you get immediately like 50 songs or something like that. Um, and it's a great way to support me as an artist. Um, and then also I have music up on Spotify and everywhere else, um, just under my name. And then Envy of None also, if you search them, they've got music everywhere and we're on vinyl, which is really exciting. Um, and then I'm also working on my, my debut album right now that's going to be out very soon. And um, that will be up everywhere online. And we're going to be making vinyl and CDs and have those available for order as well, which is very exciting. That's exciting about the uh, envy of none being on vinyl. I was looking at that. Mm -hmm. I might have to, I might have to get that uh, for my own collection. Um, so, from the video that I'm looking at right now of you in your room, I see a lot of instruments around you in the <laughs> background. And are you sitting at a piano now? I am. It's it's a keyboard. It's my MIDI keyboard. But yes, I've got a keyboard in front of me, and then it's kind of a mess back there right now. But I that, I yeah. don't want to pressure you, but would you play a little something in the last oh let's say minute that we have? Ooh, I don't think I can get. I don't think I can get the piano routed through the sound system. Is my only problem. Oh, it won't run through that microphone. Yeah, I see. I wish it would. Okay, though. but All I can right. send you. All I'll right. send you a little something you can put at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, once again, speaking uh, Maya Wynn, famously now of Envy of None and working on your own acting career, looking forward to seeing you on the big screen in uh, Snow Pup come yeah. this winter, <laughs> maybe. I'll be watching for that. And uh, I guess uh, this is another question I like to ask of folks. What do you do when you're not making music, when you're not <laughs> music related stuff? What else do you do? Um, I watch a lot of Netflix and <laughs> I've been trying to go on more hikes, um, which has been really nice. I, I've recently 
become obsessed with this Netflix show called Heartstopper, which is really sweet and just super really sweet show and I love it and it makes me happy um but I also I love going on hikes and I have a very cute dog that is obsessed with fetch and we play fetch every day (laughs) multiple times a day um and yeah and I I've been trying to paint a little bit more I'm not very good at painting but I enjoy it um and read a little bit more which is good for my brain instead of scrolling endlessly on social media (laughs) um but yeah a little bit of things a little bit of relaxation going to therapy, working on myself, all those things. (laughs) Well, I do hope to see you on a stage or on a movie screen somewhere in the future, maybe with Envy of None, maybe with one of your other projects. Uh, Maya Wynn, once again, thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Past episodes of Times Like Now can be heard wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to the letter J, Cody Robertson, for original theme music. My name is Trevor Collins, and I can be reached, Trevor, at timeslikenow.com. And I look forward to speaking with you all next time.